0: Well, I'm going to come back just long enough to introduce our, our guest speaker this morning. Um, I'll give you a nice introduction, Mary. I really will. Um, I started supporting FRCZ and making you aware of it um, some years ago when I met the former center director, Brenda Benegas. She came to a pastor's meeting, and, and I was just sold because of Brenda, because of the presentation she made, because of her heart. And, and we started supporting FRCZ as a church from that point on. Um, she left. I don't know. Was it three years ago? I don't know how many years you. Almost four years. Is that so? Boy. Yeah. And at that point, um, by that point, by that point, I was on the board of FRCZ. and we needed a new center director. We needed a new administrative assistant. It was Dusty Bluma, who was part of our church at the time. Um, and so, as a board member, it was a very serious time, mm-hmm. <laughs> wondering how we we're going to find people to replace. Brenda and Dusty, simultaneously. Um, and the Lord led us very quickly to Mary King and to Esmeralda Diaz. And then within a year's time, probably, we found out the building where FRCZ met for years was going to be torn down, demolished. It was owned by, by Zion, the school district. And so I mean, these are really big things that, that came up in a very short period of time. And every one, you kind of wondered, well, how are we going to get through it? Will we get through it? Um, As I introduce Mary today, I simply want to cut to the chase and say, I've been so impressed with you, Mary. Um, I didn't know you at all when you took over as center director. Um, But what has struck me the most about you is your vision. Um, You know, a lot of, um, I mean, center directors are different. Some maintain the status quo. That's what they're gifted at. They maintain. Um, Other people in places of leadership... Don't maintain the status quo. They're always kind of pushing towards something else. And Mary, I see you in that latter category where you have just come up with idea, plan for plan, and and they're excellent, they're good, and they are taking FRCZ steadily to the place where it needs to be. And so I personally am commending you and complimenting you uh, uh, publicly right now for what I've seen in you in the the four years since you've been the center director. Um, I know sitting at your side is your husband, Tom. Mm -hmm. I know he's very... Um, involved in a lot of the background work. I mean, so often if I'm at FRCZ, I see Tom there too. So I know he's right there with you and is doing a lot of things that aren't always seen. But Tom, thank you for all the support that you give, not just to your wife, of course, but to the ministry of the Family Resource Center of Science. So Mary's here today to make a presentation. We'd had Brenda here probably about three times. Um, this is the first time Mary has come. And I didn't, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm very particular about this pulpit. I just, just get it out there, okay? I don't just invite anybody to come. And I didn't know what Mary would be like making a presentation. I just didn't know. I didn't know if I could have her just take 10 minutes or actually take the message time. I wasn't sure. Um, but Roger Handyside, who many of you know from Cornerstone, told me about a month ago that he had just had Mary and had her several times and that she makes an excellent presentation. And I said, well, did you give her the message time too? He said, yes. Now, if Roger commends somebody... I know Roger Handyside. So I know that's all I need to know. So it was based on his recommendation, Mary. That that week, in fact, I got in touch with you. So, why don't you come now? And um, I don't think you get nervous, but if you do, you couldn't have a more friendly group of people. That's more behind you I than these people Spirit, right here. I feel the Holy I tell you. So, now I okay. am very
1: grateful and Good. thank you for your, for your okay. kind words. I. <laughs> The Lord is present here, and I can feel it through. The way the Holy Spirit works through music, the way the people coming through is just absolutely amazing, and um, thank you for your kind introduction. Everything that has happened from the beginning of my time at FRCZ all the way up through today has been God-led. Um, I'll share a bit in uh, what I'm sharing today, but the bottom line is the day that I was fired from my job of 16 years um, was in preparation for the journey that I've been on in the last four years, and God has just been amazing and faithful through it all. But I will share some of that today, um, and also as Rob Ra- um, my husband was mentioned. The reason he's at the center, and this will also be mentioned later as I'm speaking, um, he is one of our male advocates. So he is meeting with young dads and uh, using our Earn While You Learn curriculum to help grow stable men and fathers as they go into life. And also he has worked with a dad who was not faith-based. He didn't believe in Jesus at the time. He believed that abortion was okay, and he came to the center looking for um, the healing of a father's heart, a post-abortive dad, that he had forced his wife into uh, taking the abortion pill and lost a child in that measure, and the just oppression that came upon him by the time they were done with the study, he knew Jesus He was forgiven, he moved on, and their marriage that was falling apart came back together with God at the center, and it's just an amazing testimony of how ordinary people like you and me make a difference in that world. So, as I come to you today, many of you are familiar with me from my time at FRCZ, and um, my story of my unplanned pregnancy and my daughter Alicia, who's now 30 years old, ministering in Las Vegas. Something that not many know about is that my actual degree is in humanities with a focus on early childhood, and that I spent 30 years in the classroom and as a center director. And in that 30 years' time, I had much opportunity to really get involved in children's literature and find... Um, different aspects of authors and things like that. And there's one that stands true today in the work that I'm going to talk about today, as well as what I do on a daily basis. And it's a book by Dr. Seuss, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Uh, His story of Horton here's a Who. Some of you may have read it to your grandchildren or to your children. And it has a phrase in it that says, a person's a person, no matter how small. And for those of you that don't know the story, Horton is an elephant. And Horton finds this tiny speck of dust that he hears cries coming fi- from. And he finds out that the Who's in, this, in the little village of Hooville live on this speck of dust. And they're facing a perilous fate that Horton decides he's going to save them from this fate. Well, as he makes this decision, because nobody else can hear or see them, Mama Kangaroo comes along and she decides that Horton's crazy. And so she goes around telling everybody that Horton's crazy, and Horton begins to be mocked and ridiculed and made fun of. But Horton stands true, and he decides he's going to save these who's in who'sville, and he describes it to everyone that even though you can't see them, and even though you can't hear them at all, a person's a person no matter how small. So simple is that message that a person's a person, that we teach it to our preschoolers. And We teach our children that no matter what they look like or no matter where they live, no matter if somebody's like you or not, that life is valuable. And that we are all deserving of life. And also this book goes through that, but it goes a little bit deeper. And it talks about how we, the bigger folk, have a job to defend the smallest of the small that are around us. And even though it's a preschool lesson, Many people in our society don't practice that. The world will say that some unborn children, the smallest of the small, are disposable. That because they're determined to be a mistake or maybe they have a disability, maybe they're a girl instead of a boy, or maybe their parents' circumstances are deemed just too unfortunate. But a person's a person. And many of us think about this in January when we all come to church for the Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we thank President Ronald Reagan for that immensely, for bringing that up to us. But we can't limit this idea to one day or one month. We have to bring it together all our lives, and we have to stand and know that a person is a person. What does it mean? to believe in the sanctity of life. Well, the Bible says in Genesis 1, through 27, then God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Human life has an inherently sacred attribute that all life should be protected and respected. God miraculously created men and women in his own image. And in that way, we are blessed by him in an awe inspiring way. But I want to be sure that we connect on that enormous weight of being created in his own image. And how does one explain in his own image? As I was thinking about this and expressing, well, what do I, what do I see this as? How do I see this? I thought about my own children. So even though each one of my children is not identical to me, they have similarities in me. They have maybe a smile or a quirky gesture or something like that. Or if your kids are adopted or step parents, maybe they've picked up one of your mannerisms or one of your favorite sayings and all those things bring pride in us. We get a little bit of joy. There's some things they do that maybe it doesn't bring us a little bit of joy. But most of what they do bring us joy because they're like us. They're made in our image. And so that's how I see God looking down at us, men and women, that we are made in his image. So we bring him joy because of the way that we follow what he has planned for us. And as we look back in Genesis, and it says that God created man, male and female in his own image, I don't see any exceptions here. Do you? Do you see that he only created wanted people in his image or he created um, people with Down syndrome or special disabilities don't quite reach created in his image or that people without a specific race, I mean, people that are in a specific race or a certain amount of money in the bank or a stable home life, does it say that you have to have all those things to meet His image, it's not what it says. It only says in verse 27 that, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Every life matters because every life is created in the image of God. And because of that, no matter how big or how small, a person's a person. So, Humanity, it was created in God's image, but sin has fallen into that. And we have to understand that we are not good in our own accord, that we are not what makes us good to God. The sanctity of human life is not the fact that we are such wonderful and good beings, The only reason the sanctity of life applies is the fact that God created us in his image, which set us apart from all other forms of creation. And although this image has been marred by sin, and in that, we still have God's image in us as well. And we are like God in that likeness, which means that human life is always to be treated, again, with dignity and respect. So in the fall and winter of 1987, November, December, I was pregnant with my daughter, Alicia, at that point, and my sister-in-law was pregnant with my nephew, TJ. Two unborn babies, two very different circumstances. My brother and sister-in-law have been praying for this child. They made a special bedroom with decor just for him, and as he came home, he was going to come home to a relatively comfortable and stable home life. And the outside world would probably call him wanted. And so, therefore, he was deemed to have a birth and a life. Me, on the other hand, I hadn't finished college. I was 21 years old. My baby girl wasn't planned and, at that point, wasn't really wanted. But my born baby circumstances weren't much better either. I didn't have a house, I didn't have an apartment, I didn't have a home, I wasn't finished with school, I didn't pray to conceive her, I didn't have much money, her father was completely out of the picture. In this day and age, the abortion-minded people would have deemed her not worthy because she wasn't going to come into a home of that. And I probably would have had an abortion, I know I would have had an abortion if God wouldn't have intervened that day. But I believe that even in the womb, God was protecting Alicia. So up here, there are two sonograms. So I want you to look at these two sonograms. They're two different unborn babies, both around the same gestational age, about 18 to 20 weeks. Can you tell by looking at these, which one is planned? Which one's unplanned? Which one has a home that has got a special room waiting for them? Which one has no place waiting for them? You can't tell. You can't even tell their skin tone, their eye color, their, t- their um, hair texture, because it doesn't matter. What you can tell is which one was created in the image of God and which one is made in his image and loved and blessed by him, and we definitely don't need a sonogram to tell us that. Different unborn babies, different outside circumstances, same creator, same God-given dignity, value, and worth in his eyes. Psalm 139.13 13 testifies to this, and it says that God's a giver of li- that God, who's a giver of life, and David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, when he wrote this, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that... My soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. What does sanctity of life mean? Exactly what this psalm tells us, that God as a creator miraculously knits us together in our mother's womb despite any outside circumstances. Though we are physically different, though our situations and environments are different, though our health might be different, our finances might be different, we are all created in the image of God. And because so, all of our lives are sacred. The sanctity of life means that humanity is more sacred than the rest of creation. Now, I'm not saying that Human life is holy in the sense that God is holy because God is only holy in and of himself. Human life is only holy in the sense of being set apart from all other life that's created by God. And with that being set apart, there's more good news that comes from it. With that status, the Bible tells us that every unborn child is loved by God so much That even before their conception, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for them, to conquer death for them, to be raised from the dead for them, and right now is sitting at the right hand of the Father so that they might be saved. We are all more than just the mistakes of our parents. And thank the Lord that none of us are the sum of our total mistakes or our total sin While God gave humanity the authority to kill and to eat all other forms of life. In Genesis 9-3, it says this. It says, Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So God gave us everything. But he goes on to say this about the murdering of human beings that is expressly forbidden. It says this in Genesis 9-6. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Statistics tell us that over 4,000 babies are aborted each day in the United States. And that's not just 4,000 babies. That's 4,000 moms who have suffered the effects of abortion that last them through years That's women and men who suffer afterwards, many secretly dealing with their loss and shame and pain over the course of many years. One of those other things that people don't really know about me is three years prior to that saving grace of my daughter, I found myself pregnant and I had an abortion. And it took years years to work through the pain and the relationship dysfunction and all the different issues that come along with post-abortion stress to come to a point in my own life that I could accept the gift that God has given to me and truly be forgiven and set free. It's, it's something that you just can't let go of unless you allow it. To be taken by God. And perhaps that's a mistake that somebody in this room has gone through. But here's something that I want you to know. That you were created in the image of God. God knows you. God loves you. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves you so much that before you were conceived, he sent his son to die for you. His Son rose from the dead for you and is now seated at the right hand of the Father for you. All we have to do is lay down our burdens, accept Him as Lord and Savior, and daily try to follow Him the best we can. If there's anyone sitting here today that doesn't know that saving grace from Jesus, come talk to me, come talk to Pastor George, come talk to somebody else in here, because it's something that is eternal. We as Christians, we have to testify that life is made in the image of God. No matter who it is, every life is precious, every life is beautiful, and every life matters. And we are blessed to belong to a church where they believe in the sanctity of life. But that's not so true in our world, but it's also not so true in our United States. As early ago as 2017 down in Fort Worth, Texas, listen to what this was, at a pro-abortion prayer event. One of its organizers, a minister, told the local paper, women seeking an abortion are largely women of faith. They're not having an abortion in spite of their faith. It's in many ways informing the decision that they make. They have a God-given right to make decisions about their life. Another minister at this event, who's affiliated with the Evangelical Lutheran Church, told a national public radio show that because Genesis tells us that life starts with breath, that abortion can then be viewed as morally acceptable. Imagine how those unbelievers or those that don't know the truth look to these Christian leaders and are confused. And are misled into different ways. And that's why our public witness matters. Our voice on the subject of abortion matters. It matters to the little babies who have been deemed disposable. It matters to the post-abortive mothers who are seeking forgiveness and healing. It matters to the post-abortive fathers that mourn the loss of their children. And it matters to our lost and broken world in need of hope. It's a simple message. I said that from the start. Because if all life is created in the image of God, then a person's a person no matter how small. And many of us put this sanctity of life on abortion where it should stand on abortion. It's accurate to have it there, but it definitely doesn't stop there. The sanctity of life should motivate us to combat all forms of evil and injustice that are perpetuated against life, whether it be violence, abuse, Oppression, human trafficking, euthanasia, and many other evils that are violating the people that we believe have a reason to be here. Beyond just acknowledge, acknowledging that there is sanctity in life, there's a command against the things that are happening to us. It says in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In these commandments, we see that our actions are to be motivated by love, love for God and love for others. So if we love God, we'll value our own lives as part of God's plan to do his will with our lives. And we'll love and care for his people. We'll make allowances for other people's faults. We'll forgive anyone who offends you. And above all, we must clothe ourselves with that love and that binds us together in perfect unity. We'll protect the unborn and stand to fight to encourage these moms and families. We'll protect them from harm, whether from an abortion, euthanasia, human trafficking, or other abuses. While the sanctity of life can be the foundation, love must be the motivation. I want to say that one more time. While the sanctity of life can be the foundation, love must be the motivation. And that's where we stand at the Family Resource Center of Zion. We are there to educate, to empower, and to encourage. We believe that each heart needs to be turned to God through the love of Jesus. We must reach out to the community through the church, and that's church with a capital C. We've got to tear down the four walls of the building and stand together in the body of Christ. We must love moms so deeply that we're loving babies into life. We have to tear down the hypocritical stereotypes of Christianity and love people in the circumstances that they're in. And I know in many ways I'm preaching to the choir at this church, that this church, the members, are supporting lives of the unborn through finances, prayer, material donations, and beyond. I mean, in 2019, FRCZ supplied 92 families, making up 406 visits. And with those families... We gave out 28 hands for the cold weather, 118 containers of food, 588 articles of clothing and almost 4000 diapers. Beyond material assistance, we had 312 spiritual conversations, that's either praying or talking with somebody, and with those we had over 20 rededications or new believers come. And in the first two months of 2020, our clientele has over doubled that of last year. And as I was looking and putting things into the computer on Thursday, we have a graph that shows last year and this year. Last year, our March clients to Thursday's date was eight. This year, our March clients to Thursday's date was 28. God is moving. God is moving. And we are making a difference in all of the northern area of Lake County, as well as we have people coming from southeastern Wisconsin to our center. Many hours have been put into researching, praying, and seeking what God's will is next for Family Resource Center Zion. And it's become evident that an ultrasound program is in our future. How far? We're waiting on God for that. We're taking steps as he leads, as he guides. Pastor George shared earlier that, um, you know, we've had donations coming in for it. But we are at the fundraising point at this point. So now we're getting the money to um, come together to support the program. And one thing that I want to assure you as I stand here today, as I spoke of those numbers gaining on the clients that are already coming in, an ultrasound program is not going to diminish that because we have another team coming in to support those unborn, to support the ultrasound program. And the team that is building right now that's working with the Earn While You Learn and the material assistance and all the things that we offer now, the uh, post-abortion Bible studies, all those things, they're staying where they're at. So this can continue to grow, and God is now growing this program as well. What it will do is it will increase the reason for clients to enter the doors and it will bring a portion of our focus solely back to the origin of saving babies through loving moms. I love God's stories. With each day, Esmeralda and I start with prayer, always praying to be attentive to what God's direction is for the day. And as we pray specifically, God answers specifically. If we're praying in the morning and we're praying for, to come to the remi- remi- bleh, word, remembrance of our clients, someone will call on the phone or they'll walk through the door that hasn't been there in a while. Or we'll be praying for advocates or for our volunteers, just that they come in and be a part or that they feel special and we'll get information from that. Or we'll be praying, Lord, we don't have any size five diapers. And Pastor George walks through the door with a bin from you of size five diapers. As we pray specifically, God answers specifically. And I want to share with you two God stories about the ultrasound program. And this is where when... Earlier, Pastor George was saying about how things have progressed and gone forward. I take no credit for that. If I could share the God story about the building and share the God story about how I came to FRCZ, share the God story about so many different things, I would love to share them all with you. But I know we don't have the time today. So I want to share with you two quickly about the ultrasound program. One has to do with finance. One has to do with people. And they both occurred on the same day. though It happened back in July of 2019, The board was just finishing up their board meeting. And Pastor Mike McDowell, who's one of our board members, what seemed to be out of the clear blue sky, speaks up and says, I have a donor that wants to give us $15,000 for an ultrasound machine. Now, there would have been no discussion about an ultrasound machine or anything. It was just like dropped down there. But the moment he said those words, two names came into my mind. So we're going to fast forward back to where we stand today. So that donor that was going to give us $15,000 for the ultrasound machine has now written the check and given us $20,000 for the ultrasound program. Those two people, the first one, was somebody I knew from my past. He was my doctor back in the day when I was a teenager and fresh out of high school. His name is Dr. Dennis McCreary, and he has signed on to be our medical supervisor for the ultrasound program. When people look at uh, opening a program and starting a program, usually that is the hardest position to fill because the uh, obligation goes on to them, the responsibility goes on to that doctor. And sometimes it takes a year, two years, three years. It took us 45 days. That's God. And the second one, the name that came up was Margie Trainer. She's an RN that I knew her name, but I didn't really know who she was. And I stopped her one day after church and I said, I don't know what this means, but I'm supposed to talk to you about this ultrasound program. And Margie has come alongside of us. We didn't know she was supposed to be the nurse manager. We didn't know what role she was supposed to play. But what she has done is walked us through this whole journey of the medical process of becoming an ultrasound at a medical facility, and an ultrasound center. So those are just two of the ways. And if you know either of those two people, ask their side of it because how God worked miraculously through them is absolutely amazing. But what about you? Is God calling you deeper? Is your heart stirring right now? Have you been thinking, you know, I really want to get more involved there. I really there's I can I can give a little bit to of my time and work with men or women, or there's this burden just that I need to come and be a part of this. And then come the reasons, well, I don't have much time. They don't need me because I don't, I'm not educated in in that area. It's not my specialty to do that. Or, you know, there's 10 million other reasons. Well, that stirring that comes inside you, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you that this is what he wants you to do. And those reasons or excuses that are coming up, that's Satan who is in fear of the difference that you're going to make for the cause for Christ in this program. Open the door and let God use you to lead people to him. As we move into the new decade, I have one more question. How are you, each one, going to become more involved at FRCZ in 2020? You see, this is one of the goals that our board has come up with. How do our churches, our bodies, become more intricately invested in FRCZ? Prayer and money, those are givens. God proves that it's very capable. My pastor likes to say, all the money is there, it's just still in your pockets. So God's provided it all. Um, It might be simply speaking up to your own little world that's around you and share the ministry of FRCZ. Or to start the conversations about being pro-life and how every life matters. Maybe it's coming to the center and packaging diapers. We have a volunteer that is faithful that comes every two weeks and she said, God led me and my gift is packaging diapers. Okay, we appreciate that. Our boutique workers, there's everything from coming in to sort through the donations that are there to coming in in matching outfits and putting them on a hanger and into there. Coming twice a year to help us switch from winter to summer and summer to winter in the clothing. Very wide variety of things there. It might be coming in as an advocate, which you're like, oh, I don't have time to do that, or oh, I'm not qualified to do that. If God is praying and leading you to do that, yes, it takes a bit of time for the training. It's about eight weeks, of about two hours a week of going through and going through the... um, work and stuff like that but once you're done with that training portion literally you write your schedule to what fits maybe you come every week for two hours maybe you come every other week for two hours maybe you come once a week for one hour maybe you come twice a week for an hour we have found when the advocates come the clients come to meet with them and it's amazing how god puts these people with these people and that's what they need. Our advocates are so diverse in who they are and where they come from. We have from pastor's wives to ABV workers. And each one of them has a very different client that comes in. And it just works every time that schedules fit together with the person that God wants meeting with that. So now as we're extending, maybe God's calling you to be one of our ultrasound technicians, which is a volunteer position, That again, once we're done with the training, which we'll provide, you have to be an RN to do that, but you're looking at maybe an hour a week, maybe an hour every other week, depending upon how the schedules fold. Maybe God's calling you into a career move and looking for you to be our nurse manager, which is a part-time position. Whatever God is leading you, all I'm asking you right now to do is start to pray specifically. Pray to God and see what is his will and what is your want and see where those fall together. Pray the prayer that I prayed the morning that I was fired from my dream job of 16 years to prepare me for this amazing journey that I've been on. I pray, Lord, you know I'm comfortable where I'm at, but don't let my will hinder your will. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to just be here today, to share your word, to share with these people. I thank you for each and every one of these hearts that are turned to you, that support you, that love you. Lord God, I thank you for the respect for human life, for that sanctity of knowing that we are created in your image and we are who you want us to be. I pray for any person here that is struggling with a past abortion, Lord God, whether it be the woman who unsacrificially just lost a piece of herself, Lord, to the man who had no control over what happened, Lord. Allow them to come forth and step forth in truth and know that you are the Savior of all. I thank you that this church is standing to fight for the unborn. We pray that they will continue to and also to begin to fight the oppressed, fight human trafficking, fight euthanasia, Lord God, that we stand up for the sanctity of life of all people. Lord, we just pray over this ministry here, that each of these hearts that you're touching today will find their place in your ministry at FRCZ. We thank you for all that you do, and we thank you for all we are because of you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, what a superb message, Mary. Um, so cohesive and all encompassing and challenging. I mean, I don't think anybody could have done a better job than <laughs> you just did. So thank you so very, very much. Um, I love the way you even uh, gave possible opportunities. Um, this, so, you never know who's here that's just kind of thinking or. Or you got them thinking about um, a role, and I think she pretty much opened the door so that anybody might see something that God might be calling them to do um, to help um, in the ministry, which fundamentally is saving human life, uh, holding sacred, sanctified human life.